Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering Job Shield America. NAMIC launches a new campaign to enact needed federal liability protections as the pandemic continues. And working from home, Midwest Family Mutual's Aaron Boyd describes why the company transitioned to remote work long before anyone had ever heard of COVID-19. But first, Congress returned to Washington this week, and topping the agenda is the next round of legislation responding to the COVID-19 crisis. As negotiations get underway in earnest, NAMIC has launched Job Shield America to protect those most vulnerable. NAMIC Senior Vice President of Government Affairs Jimmy Grandy says the campaign is a much-needed move to ensure that responsible businesses will be protected from frivolous litigation as they reopen. Job Shield America will put an end to irresponsible lawsuit abuse and help communities, businesses, and families get back on their feet. That's why we're calling on Congress to include the job shield and liability protections for America's businesses in the next COVID-19 legislative package. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has also made liability protection a top priority, vowing no legislation will pass the Senate without it. Negotiations between the White House Senate Republicans and House Democratic leadership are expected to continue with the goal of passing legislation before lawmakers return home for the August recess. Other potential provisions will provide support for schools to reopen, money for local governments, and possibly additional direct payments for all Americans at a cost of at least $1 trillion. The Federal Insurance Office will take a close look at the impact of non-driving-related factors. The study comes as the Financial Services and General Government Appropriations Subcommittee voted to have FIO determine how these circumstances affect the affordability of auto insurance premiums for traditionally underserved communities. In March of this year, NAMIC's Aaron Collins testified before Congress in opposition to legislation that would broadly prohibit the use of legitimate and predictive underwriting tools on auto insurance. While the controversy surrounding the practice of using non-driving factors in determining auto insurance rates has gone on for years, the current debate on systemic racism in the United States has renewed interest in this issue. Coronavirus stay-at-home orders have forced many employers to adopt a new remote working environment. But what was intended to be a temporary change could disrupt the traditional office environment well beyond the end of the pandemic. A new study by Morning Consult found Americans who are working remotely during the pandemic have had relatively positive experiences. And of that group, most would like to work remotely for at least one day a week indefinitely, meaning flexible work options will be crucial for companies in the future. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with Midwest Family Mutual COO Aaron Boyd about the positive results of remote work after the company's decision to move its office home nearly 15 years ago. Since stay-at-home orders were issued earlier this year, many businesses, including NAMIC, have shifted to a work-from-home environment. But one NAMIC member company implemented a work-from-home strategy years before anyone had even heard the word coronavirus. 
Joining me today on our Unscripted podcast is Midwest Family Mutual President and CEO Aaron Boyd. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jock, for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. You know, I think back to, I remember meeting with Ron Boyd uh, back in probably 05. I'd, I was maybe a couple of years into this job. We were up at your old home office in the Twin Cities. And hearing in that meeting that uh, you were going, or the office I think at the time was for sale, and you were going to go m move to a remote environment because uh, you know technology permitted it, and you determined that that was an asset, an illiquid asset that just wasn't needed, and that the company could uh, you know exist in a remote work from home environment, you know starting really in late 2006. So, what was the catalyst for the decision? And uh, of course, we'll talk a little bit about how that's worked out. Well, yes, you uh, you have a great memory, Chuck. Um, yes, it was about 2005, and it really only came down to a meeting of the minds. Uh, my my dad uh, was CEO at the time and has been since 2000, uh, and they were really talking about creative accounting. Uh, and my father was leading the discussion and wanted to know how it was that we could realize the market value of our home office. Uh, with statutory accounting, we were carrying the asset at purchase price minus depreciation. And, mm -hmm. and he uh, somewhat jokingly at the time suggested, well, why don't we just send all of our employees home? And we had an IT director at the time, his name was Brad Sukit, that said, well, we could probably make that happen. And the rest is history. We sent over 80% of our employees home in the fourth quarter of 2006. By the end of the year, we were leasing space. We went from 20,000 square foot down to 5,000 square foot, um, went from owning to leasing, and we sold our building in February of 2007. So I guess that was the answer to Ron's question. Uh, that's how you realize the value of your uh, bricks and mortar. You got that right. Get rid of it and move to remote. So you've had years of practice at this, um, you know, but for many of uh, our members, your peers, I mean, they really started in March. NAMIC, we started in March. We had plenty of remote workers. And of course, the technology today, I think, gives us many more uh, advantages and, and a much easier way to, to convert. But still, you know, how can we learn from your experience and, and what were some of the initial challenges you all faced, say, in 07, 08, um, you know, as you and your, your team adapted to this? Well, you're absolutely right that the industry is kind of coming to terms with remote work today. Um, I actually want to give you a lot of credit, Chuck. Um, you know, NAMIC has been keeping a spotlight, I think, on this important topic, you know, well before COVID-19. Um, yeah, obviously, it's on everybody's mind now, but you actually had me out and uh, as part of a panel discussion at the annual NAMIC convention in San Diego in 2015. Right. Um, so I just want to thank you guys for personally um, making this a topic well before everyone started adopting it. Well, thank you um, and Ron for uh, yeah. sharing those stories because I know, and we've covered it in the magazine and in other publications at least a couple times because it's a really interesting yeah. story and it's one that I think our members can learn from. And of course, this podcast is one that uh, I'm sure everyone will tune into with uh, with their newfound experience in remote work and. Uh, and see what you're about to say. So, you know, what have been some of the lessons? Yeah, so some of the obstacles very, very early on for us, technology was very, very different in 2006 than it is today. Um, you know, this, this sounds really odd today in 2020, 
But at the time, we were requiring our employees to have at least one megabit per second speed upload and two megabit speed download in order to be eligible to work for Midwest Family in this remote work environment. I mean, nowadays, most residences are looking for at least 250 megabit per second just in order to have streaming services. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you Uh, had no Zoom meetings going in with the uh, one megabit per second download. Uh, It was uh, just waiting on the file. Yeah, it was it was different. And, and, and although that's something that I don't think companies today are necessarily going to have to grapple with as they move to this remote workforce, some of the things that we did run into at the time that I think are still true today are is it's not for everybody. You've got uh, we had 25 percent of our employees that didn't really like the idea of working from home. Um, now, I will tell you, one year later, it was like pulling teeth to get those same employees to come into the office. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also had uh, very few in the way of metrics. You know, one of the advantages we've had here um, in working our way through COVID-19 and, and uh, this work-from-home environment is we have had 14 years to evolve our metrics. And, uh, you know, it was Ronald Reagan that said to the Soviets, I trust you, mm-hmm. but we're also going to verify. Right. Um, and that's a lot of what it's like here with our employees. And, um, you know, we sent them home and we said, we're going to trust you. And I think you have to trust that your employees are actually going to get the job done. And I'd say 99% of the time they will, but you still want to have metrics around productivity, well, um, measuring things like, what kind of quote transactions are being done, new business, renewal stats, phone calls received, phone calls going out, that sort of stuff. The metrics become very important. Yeah, I can see how they would be uh, important. And you'd have you know so many years now to measure that uh, you've, I'm sure, got an excellent idea of what uh, you know productivity looks like. But also, um, I'll bet you have a lot of experience around training for new employees. I remember thinking, you know, listening to the plan back in 06, it seemed, you know, what I was sure was that um, you all would have the ability to get your existing, then, you know, then existing employees who knew the company, knew the culture, knew their jobs out and working remotely. But then you must have now gone through at least a couple cycles. I know most of our, you know, member companies uh, staff are are in their jobs a long time, so the turnover is not great. But I wonder what is your experience then with you know training new employees, getting them to know what the company culture is and kind of how you operate? Well, it's funny you say it because every year we have a holiday party and if I would say every other year I will ask the question as we've got all of our employees and their spouses sitting out in the audience, I will ask all of those employees that were working with us when we were in a physical office to stand up. And you're absolutely right, it's less and less every year. It's very much a minority. So we've got this generation of employees that have really grown up in this remote environment. And there are some issues with it. From a hiring standpoint, you definitely need to have a drug and alcohol policy. I, I, you know, it's really easy, I think, in a remote environment that if there are issues on the home front, those employees can hide it a whole heck of a lot better. Um, right. So that's that's got to be an issue. you got to have ways around monitoring that, and I think you've got to have some drug testing initiatives. Um, mentoring can be very, very diffi- difficult. Um, 
I think everyone that is in the insurance industry can point to a mentor in their life, um, somebody that has got them to where they are in their career. Um, and many times that mentor takes on that role because of physical proximity. You have a cubicle next to each other or an office. I think mentors in this environment need to be very, very deliberate um, in, in, in taking on that role. And, and so I think that's something that we, we certainly try to motivate at Midwest Family Mutual. And then you just have to be um, very, very, very careful about the type of employee you bring on. It's not for everybody. Some need that social interaction. Um, we're finding that it's very, very difficult to bring millennials into a remote work from home environment um, because at least in your 20s, you look to work as kind of a social interaction right. um, and they have to be a self-starter. But we do have our employees into the office for that training period um, that generally lasts for a week or two and then everything else from a training standpoint is remote after that. We've actually had to get used to ourselves as part of this pandemic in this work from home environment for everybody, moving and transitioning our training to being remote as well and leveraging some of the tools that we've got at our um, disposal, like GoToMeeting um, and Zoom. Yeah, well, how about uh, your role as uh, you know, president, COO, um, you know, Ron before you, um, you know, I know we get out the world's smallest violin here for this comment I'm about to make, but I feel like as NAMIC CEO, this is hard on me because I used to have the best, easiest way to find out what was going on uh, anywhere in the building, which means anywhere in our organization. Now, DC, obviously we had, you know, 13, 14 people there, but checking in with them and being out there at least monthly, that, again, gave me the opportunity to walk around, talk to people, learn a lot in a, in a short period of time. And I find now I have to be, as you suggest, much more deliberate about reaching out to various leaders, some of whom don't report to me, many of whom don't report to me, uh, but it's just harder to have that interaction than when we were in the office. So what kind of um, advice can you give on that, on that score? Well, I, I, I think you almost kind of hit on it uh, implicitly there. I mean, I think it's the old adage has always been true in the physical uh, office space that, hey, my door is always open. Uh, Chuck, that's probably something you've said uh, many times to yep. uh, a lot of the employees at NAMIC. And, Although uh, it was usually and me going in, a, in their door. Uh, but, yeah, my door is always open, and we'd have all the meetings, and we have a pretty open and uh, – I think a uh, warm and inviting environment, but still there's nothing like me just walking out to find out what's going on with this. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you can't do it remotely as easily. For sure. And, and I, you have to be a little bit more proactive, I think in this environment. Um, and that just simply means picking up the phone. You know, I've got key individuals in each one of our teams, whether it's underwriting, marketing, accounting, IT, every one of our functions, there are key employees that I will reach out to that uh, generally will give me a sense of just what the uh, pulse is in our organization as a whole. Um, yep. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's just something you have to be proactive and make the time to do because nobody's going to, I could say my door is open, ultimately in a remote environment when I'm working from home, no one's going to open it. Right. I'm going to have to make that phone call a lot of the time. Yep. Yep. So 
you have you've had you know coming to this year um, almost 15 years of experience with remote work uh, did you learn anything new with COVID-19 that uh, might be worth mentioning yeah well um, you know we've we've got we've got some uh, I, I think everybody is kind of learning about remote work a lot of our competitors are learning about remote work you know some of our distribution force is moving to remote work. So that's been somewhat new for us. Um, if anything, there's been some opportunities and there's been some threats associated with COVID-19. And one of the opportunities has been, I think, short-lived. You know, for a period of a couple, three months, um, our competitors were really transitioning how they were doing business and we were business as usual. And so I do think that helped us um, to write some new business with our independent agency partners. Um, but long term, I think the jury is really out in terms of how COVID-19 is going to impact us. Um, you know, we've always had a unique advantage in the insurance industry in talent acquisition. Um, we don't have to hire, you know, 40, within 40 miles of our Des Moines headquarters or within 40 miles of um, our western, Minneapolis, western suburbs of Minneapolis administrative branch. Um, we can hire anywhere, and we have in the upper Midwest. We've got employees in every single one of the states in which we do business. In the southwest, we've got employees in Utah, Arizona. In the northwest, we've got them in the state of in the state of Washington, and we've even hired employees outside of our operating territory in the states of South Carolina, uh, Georgia, and Texas. Um, but that has given us a long-term advantage over the course of the last 15 years in acquiring talent in the insurance industry at a time when you know there's a shortage. We see that as maybe eroding a little bit, you know, when you've got companies like Nationwide that are gonna close down some of their branches and actually embrace remote work. Um, and so that could have an impact on the supply of remote work jobs available in the market. But we also think that as insurance companies have been forced to embrace remote work over the course of the last three months, there's going to be more demand as employees have had a taste of it, I think more and more are going to demand it and, uh, and actually be trained within this environment to leverage the tools that are necessary to work remotely. So we do look forward to that as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that is gonna be the silver lining that so many of our members realize because we do have a profile and you know it well, you know, you might be, if you're a company operating in Van Wert, Ohio with, you know, hundreds of people or Owatonna, Minnesota or Cameron, Missouri, um, these are not always the easiest places to recruit people into. But with remote work now, I think our member companies are gonna have so many advantages they didn't have before, you know, to open up hiring to everywhere and just offer it on a remote basis. And I think you're right, that's probably an advantage that you all enjoyed that may be different going forward with more companies now yes. in, the, in the remote work game. Well, I did take the opportunity to, to pull up uh, SNL, and I can tell you, so I don't have to tell you, but I'll tell our listeners, uh, results have been good. Uh, you know, looking at the five-year trend, your combined was 95 and 15, and it uh, dipped down to, uh, let's see, 90 and 18, 
bumped up a little 93, and then you got a positive outlook from Best as well this year. So, you know, where we know it's a numbers uh, game, your numbers are good. I mean, it's working, and now 15 years in, you can't, you know, mark this up to just a few lucky years. Uh, so congratulations on that, uh, you and well, the entire team there. Well, well, thank you, Chuck. And, I'll, and I, I had a few other numbers here I wanted to yeah, let's to hear share. Um, growth, I too. Mean, we I didn't we mention started growth. this, obviously, in 2006, and we had $60 million of written premium at the end of that year, $28 million in surplus, and we were doing business in seven states. Here at the end of 2020, we're on track to write $210 million of written premium. We're trending towards over $120 million of surplus. And then the, the what is supposedly the Achilles heel of remote work is that you will suffer in collaboration, it's often been said. Mm -hmm. And yet, our business development and technology teams have worked together with our leadership to expand our product scope and expand our geographic reach from seven states to 21 states. And then when it comes to productivity, where I think there is general agreement that productivity is enhanced in a remote environment, we've gone from a thir over 30% expense ratio in 2006 down to 23% today. And our revenue per employee has increased from 900,000 in 2006 to over 1.7 million per employee in 2020. Wow. It's part of the reason that we, each of the last two years, have been named towards top 50 carriers in the P&C category. Well, Aaron, that is that is amazing. I mean, just some of those numbers from the uh, the top line growth, 60 to 210, and then the productivity per employee, I think I wrote down correctly, um, 30, well, how should I interpret this, 30, 30% to 23%, what was the uh, metric there? Yeah, the, the that was the that was the expense ratio oh, okay. decreasing from over thirty percent down to twenty three percent, and our productivity, as measured by revenue per employee, right, went from nine hundred thousand to one point seven million. Yeah, that is, um, I mean, they're great numbers, and uh, you know, certainly go well beyond the combined and looking at the success of of your model and and your leadership and and um, you know everything that's gone into. Uh, helping the company have such great results uh, operating remotely. I think it's an encouraging sign for uh, for all of our members who I think, and I agree with you, going forward, there's going to be a whole combination. I was talking with one smart CEO the other day who said that, um, you know, the state of their office is they've got, you know, 10 or 15% of people that have been working remotely or working from the office continuously. A lot of people work with paper and, uh, you know, finance, accounting. Uh, but then of the rest of them, you know, he thinks 40% will come back when it's safe, as they define safe, they the people, not the company, and then 40% never want to come back to the office, period, mm -hmm. and will look for permanent remote work. And I, I think I think that is, um, is probably a likely scenario for a lot of our companies, and I think your uh, uh, experience and your uh, sharing of it uh, today we give them a lot of confidence that uh, they can continue to be successful companies with, uh, you know, a, a much more remote staff than uh, they've had in the past. So, thanks for sharing it with us today, and, and I really appreciate your time on the podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me, Chuck. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back on August fifth with more insurance news and interviews. 
And don't forget, if you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.